0: Welcome, and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Now let's join Pastor Grant Hobbs from Revival Life Centre for his message. God is good, and it's really great to be here. It's a bit of a miracle how I got here. Um, About four years I've been trying to get here. I sent Pastor Ruth Um, my founding pastor five years ago to come and look at the work here and uh, after that i haven't really had much contact now my senior pastor has passed away norm armstrong used to work with frank houston and norm armstrong started a ministry many years ago called old roberts ministries he traveled the width and breadth of australia on behalf of old roberts ministry showing films on a projector of healings and miracles And I've still got some of those old realms in my office today, and uh, you can go onto the website, just type in Old Roberts Ministries, and you'll find the films still there. They've actually recorded them onto um, hard drives and stuff, but uh, he would travel to uh, Tasmania, and he'd see nuns fall fall under the paraguide, get up speaking in tongues, healed. Um, I was the consequence of seeing that with my very own eyes. I've seen toes grow. I've seen legs lengthened in my very own eyes. I've seen the guy who worked on Kingford Smith's airplane who flew across the Blue Mountains. And he was in his 83rd year, and he had, uh, he had Parkinson's disease, shaking like, like anything else. We had a Thursday service meeting on, and uh, Pastor Norm said to him, what would you like me to do for you? He said, I'd like to build, rebuild a Spitfire. Aeroplane. But he says, I can't because I shake too much. Pastor Norm said, In the name of Jesus. And he held out his hands, perfectly healed. And I saw that with my own eyes. And the lady that served me um, in the office. Um, I didn't know a story and I said, I said to her name's Lilla, I said Lilla why are you so enthusiastic, she, she, I was putting on weight she serves me coffee in the morning, coffee in the afternoon biscuits and scones and in, in the office and I was a youth pastor there for, for Pastor Norman Ruth and uh, she said well I had a broken back in a wheelchair, couldn't move Pastor Norman laid hands on me, instantly healed and I said I'll follow him for the rest of the days of my life and uh, she's just passed away not long ago but I've uh, seen what God can do now what happened in the Kimberleys is uh, Pastor Norm Armstrong got invited to uh, come out this way and uh, nobody else on the National Executive wanted to. They said it's too far. Back then it's a long way to come but Pastor Norm said, I'll go. So we went with Rod Westbrook, if you've heard the Westbrook name. He went with Rod and went right up to Burktown and travelled across the Savannah Way through Hell's Gates Roadhouse and Pastor Norm loved it so much he said, I'll be back and uh, Max Wilshere invited him back to Halls Creek. Pastor Norm prayed for a lady with an incurable disease. They didn't know she was healed immediately, but the next day she was completely healed. The whole town heard about it because they knew about this lady with this disease, and that's what started revival in the Kimberleys. And that caused us to then pay for the church at Wyndham, pay for the church at Derby, pay for the church at Halls Creek, and also we put a lot of money in here at uh, Alice Springs. So um, I'm the next generation coming through. So, um, excuse me. So, yeah, so uh, I... I'm a country boy. I grew up in my farm is still there today in central or western Victoria. My dad, dad is, used to be a wheat farmer. My wife comes off a sheep farm, about 3,000 sheep to this day. And uh, he's still on the farm farming his sheep. So we love going home to the country, having big bonfires and doing things you can't do in the city, of course. And uh, we uh, got thrown into ministry. I used to run a business, a Toyota Mazda Hyundai dealership. I was a service manager and ran that side of it for 10 years. And then God called us into ministry. We went to Sydney to do our training. And then uh, the connection with Pastor Norm was in the middle of the night, he didn't even know me. I only met him once in a meeting where he, did a, he was preaching on healing at the Bible College, our National Bible College. And uh, he got my name in the middle of the night and said, Pastor, he said, Grant Hobbs needs to come and work for you and so he never didn't know who I was and uh, he rang up the college and said is there a Grant Hobbs there and they got me in touch with him and he said I'm going to put you on staff and I said what for he goes I want you to be my youth pastor I said oh I don't really want to do that and I said thanks for the offer but see you later and so uh, I said I'm a country guy I'm going to go up to Cairns and have a church of five that's easy put them in a boat they misbehave throw one out easy so um so but anyway, um, I was preaching then, we were school captains of the, of the, of the college, so we going around preaching in different uh, congregations, and David Cartledge back then asked me to preach, um, fill in a few areas, so I was preaching in different churches. And I uh, had three prophecies, and that said, uh, you've been offered a church, but you don't want to go there. It's old, and it's in the city. And I went all the way to Singapore to preach for Reverend Robert Lim in a church of about 20,000 after the service he comes to me he says oh he says I've got a word for you he goes God's called you to a church in the city and for an old person you don't really want to go there so I'm pretty fixed so three times I finally got it and your lovely pastor used to pass to you, Keith Ainge was the third confirmation when he was in Campbelltown so I'm very close to Keith and Sue Ainge And uh, anyway, I used to work with the national movement with the missions director. And Keith was my good friend when I was traveling on the road a lot, um, dealing with different issues overseas and stuff like that. So anyway, so I started working for Ruth and Norm. Um, I agreed to that. We went there. We had a revival and saw God do incredible miracles with our young people, bringing drugs and everything to the front and just accepting Jesus. We were seeing three to four saved every week. We're in 12 high schools and 22 primary schools. And then Pastor Norm just coming out of his office, who was in his 80s and put his, slapped his hand on my, my desk and he said, leave, time for you to go. And I cried. I was, I was like, what? He goes, God's called you to international ministry. So I don't want international ministry. I want farming ministry. I want, I, I, you know, um, but he said, no, nah, God's called you. So then I was without a job. And uh, there's nothing planned. It's not like he heard from somebody to go somewhere. He just said, God, oh, God spoke to me and you've got to trust him. So I rang up the state executive. the time. I talked to the different guys that I knew when I was, uh, you know, uh, back then. And uh, I got called back to my hometown in Warwick, Nabil. Uh, town of 2,000 people, and uh, and a district, and a, and a place called Horsham, and uh, I would built that church when I was there many, many years ago. And uh, so I got called back there as senior pastor. Debt for three years, got out of debt, and got the church up to a reasonable size. And then I had a phone call from Jack Haynes, Alan Davies, and Brian Houston to leave country life and come back into the city and work at the National ACC headquarters to work for Jack and so I did that for 5 years and after 5 years I'm honestly um it was amazing to go to all different places around the world and help out. I got put on when the tsunami just hit in the year 2000. And so I got thrown into the deep end. I had guns held at knife point. I got guns pointed to my head. I was held at knife point on several occasions, going through uh, Trincomalee Lee in, in Sierra Leone in um, Sri Lanka, going through the uh, guerrilla warfare, uh, right through to Banda Aceh, uh, doing a funeral service of 280,000 people in an open grave and uh talking to pastors saying i had a congregation they're all dead and just crying with them and it really messed with my brain um got through that and then started to help out our missionaries so i know paul and deb hilton very well been to uh, vietnam about probably uh, 15 times helping them uh, keep the work going they're celebrating 20 years this year i've been on the field so um got thrown into the deep end doing that and after about five years of that i wrote out my resignation saying i don't know my kids anymore i'd like to just stop for a while it was greatly received and they're very happy and i went back to sydney to pastor an italian church do you want to hear my italian uh, Pastor Grant, uh, how are you today? Uh, you look uh, very good. Uh. We are like uh, you're preaching today. It's a very nice. Uh. And the Commerce Day and Benegrazzi and stuff like that. So I got asked by the state executive of New South Wales to come in and help transition an Italian church into a multicultural church. I tried for eight years and failed. And so we left but in the middle of doing that church I started another church at Harrington Park which is still going today and uh, Pastor Norm passed away I didn't have much connection with him I felt to leave that over there and we're only 20 minutes from each other but I felt not to be involved in the church and uh, Pastor Norm just before he died he wanted to see me and I went around to the nursing home and he prophesied over me and said you'll take on the Revival Life Centre and you'll have another revival because it's called Revival Life Centre in Sydney and so he prophesied over me and pastor Ruth, Hay, pastor Ruth Harvey was a senior pastor said have you told the senior pastor I know you're the founding pastor now but have you told the senior pastor that what you just prophesied no God will work it out then he died so uh, I went to the funeral like everybody else and uh, Pastor Ruth asked me to get involved so I helped look after dignitaries and, and then about two years later Pastor Ruth rang me and said can you please come over she said I'm going to resign today 84 years of age sorry no she's younger than that 70 i got mixed up with pastor Normza. anyway 70 something and uh and she and i said well pastor Ruth, i'm going to help you with that who would you like to give it to the associate pastor and she goes no it's actually you and i said well i think you should offer it to the associate pastor and uh so she did that but pastor matthew wonglavalu who's a beautiful man and he's still the associate pastor today fijian brother he said no it should be me so that's how i ended up back at revival life center that's my story is that okay I preached on this morning of healing and I actually mentioned when I was preaching on healing that when you pray for others usually you're going through something yourself or it's good to pray for others even though you want something from God or you're going through something well when I was praying for people I found out my wife who wanted to be here this morning was vomiting in the room and she's just been to the hospital so um, she's uh, very dehydrated so I um, believe God's gonna touch her and minister to her in Jesus name while I'm here preaching so um, all good so that's a bit of a snapshot my wife uh came with me of course on the journey she worked for bobby houston for many years looking after victorian state women director and then uh, she gave that up when we shifted to sydney but uh she's a lovely lady of god and uh, runs our bible college and so it's fantastic so what i felt in my heart to share with is we face um areas that i believe that needs to be dealt with and that's areas of the mind and I believe God can heal you this morning. I absolutely believe that. I've seen it. I'm still seeing it again today. I believe that. We, you know, believe in miracles. We saw um, uh, many miracles a month, um, two months ago. We had a healing month, and it was just completely on healing. And we saw many miraculous healings from back problems and shoulder issues, and and uh, even people that had glasses had to go back to the doctor. This guy just spent $700 on a pair of glasses. We prayed for him, and he had to throw them in the rubbish bin. He got completely healed, and um, eyesight, all sorts of things. And uh, one one lady particularly, uh, a doctor in our church, uh, a practice. He loves our church so much, Doctor Raj, Indian doctor. He's fantastic, very well qualified. He loved our church so much. We're called Revival Life Centre. His practice is called Revival Practice, Revival Life Practice. And um, and uh, his wife Prudy got a, a blown disc out, and the doctor came to me and said, "Oh, brother." I can't do anything for her medication-wise, only just try and ease the pain. Come on, let's pray. She got instantly healed of her uh, disc problem, and she's still healed today. So God is good, and miracles can happen. But I also want to touch on the areas of the mind. Because I've been attacked in the mind, and I've gone through this. And, uh, and I've been attacked in many areas and I've been personally had witch doctors put curses on me in Thailand. I've had even here in Alice Springs 12 years ago when I was at the Westbrook uh, Centre here when a lady come out and she wanted her daughter out of the centre and she come out and started to put some sort of curse on me with branches and gum tree and started do stuff to me and uh these things can affect you but i know i serve a greater god Amen. and i haven't passed away so it hasn't been effective and i do read my bible where it says in corinthians that well, there is only one true god there are many gods so there isn't actually there is assent to that there are gods but there's only one true god Amen. so that means there are like other gods that do work There are other gods that can heal. There are other gods that that can do things like can um, cause destruction and all sorts of things. I mean, these witch doctors in Thailand, if you got pointed the bone at you, basically within two weeks you would die. Because the belief is they've got power, you believe that power, so you receive what they're putting on you, and it's only a matter of weeks before you die. But if you don't receive it because we serve the greater God, then that power has no authority over you. Isn't that true? If we allow it to have authority, then it has authority but we need to stop it in Jesus' name. But I want to talk to you also about the area of the mind, because the mind is, uh, we say we're Christian and we love coming to church, but can I say that we are not totally, a lot of us aren't free. Like me, we have fear or anxiety or worry. And we say we're Christian, but we walk out the doors and then we put on, Well, we come into the service and we put on this happy, clappy, yeah, hoo-hoo, life's good. We go out the doors and all of a sudden we face reality again. I've got to deal with the mortgage, the kids, and the fighting and the issues of life and, and dealing with um, you know, it being accepted into a remote community and, and uh, missing family and all this sort of stuff. And it costs you 400 bucks one way to go and visit somebody and get out and just you know see something different and come back. And So the pressures of life, and we fearfully sometimes allow that to get to us. And I know what it's like to live in a small country town to travel 400k to see somebody and, and stuff like that. So so um, i was getting attacked because when i took on pastor norm's church and the italian church I want, i'm not norm armstrong i've tried walking on water and i sunk and pastor norm was a legend everyone ring up and go you know bring norm out because he can raise the dead he can he can heal he can pray for those in wheelchairs and they get up in jesus name and uh, I, I do ministry different i believe god that mantle's been put on placed on me i believe in that but also i believe in team ministry I believe we do things together and all of us can pray, lay hands on the sick. All of us can believe God for a miracle. And the days have gone, the one man or the one lady show. It's actually a team where we work together in unity. Unity. If we want to see revival in Australia and around the world, it's not going to be one or two people. It's going to be teams. Teams working together in unity and uh but i've been attacked several times had de- death threats um written out put underneath my door at the church and all this sort of stuff because i'm the second generation and i do things a little bit differently you know i've uh i might wear runners in church because i left my rm william boots at home i might not shave for six weeks just to see what it would look like to own a beard um <laughs> You know, I might run the service with a bit of a different flavour and people get upset about that. I want to change the colour of the carpet, and, but hang on a minute, we took up an offering 55 years ago and that's the way it should be. And, and I'm, a, I'm a third generation farmer, so my grandfather taught me how to farm with ox. I, I remember the, uh, uh, we were the last one to have the clove-style horses. And I remember we've been out in the farm with my grandfather showing me how to get rid of the trees to clear the land, we we're still clearing land. And then my dad took it on and my brother took it on. And now these days it's all GPS, massive tractor worth about five hundred thousand dollars and can do a thousand acres. And if you want, you can just sit there and have a cup of tea and let it do all the work for yourself. Times are changing from getting on a horse and hitching them all up and taking a two plough and out we go. And church changes with general the message shouldn't change, but the method does. And I just felt this in my spirit to say, don't get caught up in the method, get caught up in Jesus. If you get caught up in the method, you'll get cynical and critical and you'll lose your joy in your salvation. And I'm saying that because I felt that in the spirit to say it, not to condemn you, but to release you. I'm going tomorrow. See you later but I want to see you free because the method changes. I look after a district in Sydney and it's larger than the Northern Territory when it comes to churches in South Australia. It's 51 churches and about 120 pastors. There's only about three Aussie churches in it. They're all different denominations, uh, sorry, not denominations, all different nationalities. I've got Fijians, Samoans, Africans, Thai, Thai, Vietnamese, Lebanese, Cantonese, about 38 to 40 different nationalities of pastors. And uh, so I feel like I'm back in World Missions again, you know. Honestly, uh, ACCI. It's, it's amazing. But what happens is I find this, and with the Italian church that I was pastoring is, we're used to a certain style. We come out of a, it might be a different community, and we come into a new community. It might be from overseas. We come into Australia. We come from Sydney or Melbourne. We come into Alice Springs, and it's different same same but different you know you buy the t-shirt over in thailand it's it's uh, nike it looks the same it feels the same it's same same but it's different because it's not original so we come here to alice it's different it's it's it looks the same but it's different there are different issues and different problems we face and uh, i just want to simply say that when we come into a community, when you look at a, a way things have been done and things change, can I say change is good if it's going to get the message through to the next generation. If it's going to help the next generation or even, it's not so much when I say generation, you think younger. Sometimes it's an older different generation or it's a different community generation. And we get locked in thinking it's always the younger generation, we've got to be always turning the music up or having this. No, sometimes it might be turning the music uh, down because we're reaching an age community generation. We have a hundred salvations a year in our church that I never see. I've got a team that do nursing homes. They do 63 nursing homes across Sydney and they're winning people to Jesus every single week. Three nursing homes a week and they're in over 100 nursing homes, just going in, 60 to 100 nursing homes going in and winning people for Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Amen. But they're doing it differently. It's not go and get them, bring them to church, see them, get their life to Christ, then bust them back. No, they go to where they are. They start singing the songs. God brings back memory when they've got no memory and they open up and receive jesus so different is good so is that okay let's turn to the text with the time i have and that is in luke chapter 5 verse 17 luke chapter 5 verse 17 it's the story of the paralytic one day uh, when Jesus, jesus was teaching pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of galilee and from judea and jerusalem were sitting there this is an important point in this passage I'm reading from the NIV 1983 version because that's my era. You know, that's uh, Abba and Queen and stuff. Anyway, Um, so it doesn't actually say there was a crowd of just simple um, laymen, you know, or carpenters, camel, camel riders... Um, Stuff like that says specifically Pharisees, teachers of the law who came from every village, every village of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. So there's a lot of people crammed into a room. There's a lot of people coming to this event. And they are Pharisaical and law makers or law dissectors and know all about it. And it goes on to say, without even stopping, and the power of the law was present for him to heal the sick. Now, that's interesting because when, usually, usually if the presence is in a place, it's usually around positive people that give a good atmosphere of praise. But they're not coming to give an atmosphere of praise. They're coming to see whether this Jesus is a lunatic liar or lord. They're not coming. They're coming to actually mark him out of 10, whether he's on the ball, whether he's lining up to the, the, the scriptures in the Old Testament. That, you know, they're trying to work him out because there's a crowd starting to follow him. and, And so they're coming to really spy on Jesus. So I don't know how the atmosphere is changing when you've got that environment. But you know what? Jesus was there. You're here. And that's what makes a difference. You can cut the atmosphere with a knife sometimes. I know we've all been in it. You might be at home and somebody walks in and you're having a fun time. And somebody walks in and it's like you pick up the spirit of the person. You can cut the air with a knife. It's like you're walking on eggshells, and I want to say exactly the same way as a witch doctor can point a bone at you. You can actually accept it, or you can turn it around. You don't have to speak to it. You have to say, "Hey, you just wrecked our nice family meal." You don't have to say in the name Rebuke him, name of Jesus. I rebuke you know. No, but you can actually turn around. You can speak in tongues. You can you can speak life into the situation, but not allow it to change the circumstance because we bring an atmosphere of change we bring an atmosphere where the lord is present because the holy spirit is within you and when he's within you you carry something you carry an anointing you carry a presence that's very real you know it doesn't take long to pick up on the different um, spirituality is so real you're only got to go to a community in these areas and they're very spiritually switched on they might know you but they can pick up your spirit all right they can tell whether or not you're genuine or you're just coming in just to try and do something and uh, and, uh, even kids are like that we run a kids program and my daughter Josephine, she's 18 and she's running this program it's the first time running Kids Club in Sydney we've been running them for 30 years I used to do it when I was there I'm passing it on to the next generation and I used to get about 150 kids I thought I was brilliant going into all these primary schools she got 200 a day last, last couple of weeks ago 200 a day kids without workers pulling her hair out you know but the kids when i was on stage you got all these kids sitting out everywhere they're just filling up the whole floor and you're running this kids program i tell you what they pick up whether you're genuine or not they can see straight through you and the spirit of the lord is moving and he's looking and you carry something you carry a presence and in this place the power of the lord was present and i want to say it's in church When we gather together there is something about his presence but you're going to go in about three hours should be finished by then and what presence are you going to carry with you you're going to go home you're going to flick on the tv you're going to watch motor gb tonight and watch possibly you know mark marquez win again or you might be into something else you might be into uh, speedway you might be into camel racing you might be into whatever you do Um, I just want to say that don't lose that presence of God is here just as much as he is at home. And when you go home to somebody who's not well or a broken relationship or a husband or a wife or a child that's not really doing so well, I just want to say don't let them rob you of the very peace and presence that you have within you. You are a child of God. You carry something and it's precious. Don't let it be robbed from you. Is that okay? It's gone very quiet in here. Hip, hip okay i'll keep preaching that's good some people around now this is the next entry part so men uh, came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house lay him before jesus when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd they went up on the roof and lowered him on, a, on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of jesus couple of things i want to talk about is the next verse goes in 20 when jesus saw their faith these men had faith not the person that was getting healed it was the men the men are chuffing along to uh, to a meeting they've heard about jesus and they're, they're walking along the road and uh i don't know how close of a friend you get friends you know best friends buddy friends facebook friends whatever friend you know stranger friend whatever but we call everybody like we call everybody mate g'day mate so uh, so they picked up this paralytic, he's, he's probably sitting in a certain area, he's got a certain set of clothing on because uh, the local townsmen and gov- uh, the, uh, the social service system back then would give you a cloak and you were legally allowed to beg at a certain area so you could survive being a paralytic. So he's probably begging, he's got a mat, and these guys just walk past, pick him up and say, we're going to go somewhere where you're going to get healed. Now he probably wasn't kicking and screaming, he's probably waving and screaming because he was a paralytic so that's a bad joke but he was not well at all he might have had a choice in it he mightn't have wanted to be healed who wants to be embarrassed in church service who wants to be embarrassed in any any setting not alone breaking into somebody's house through the roof if you're the roof owner you're not impressed it's a tiled roof yes but also it was a hardened tile so you could also walk on the roof Okay it was a it was a thick roof so you could go up there at night time and enjoy the evening fresh air and the cool change that come through at night time so I'm sure the roof the, the house owner was not very impressed I was talking in the first service that the house I look after was built in the 1860s and I uh, parson it on board it, uh, for $70,000. Now it's worth about $13 million. And uh, everything I do there is heritage listed. It's massive. It's an old English building in the middle of Sydney. People turn up just to want to see this building. And we're slowly renovating it and it's costing us a lot of money. And the tiles were sliding off because of the flat sheet tiles. And uh, I, I tried to get a few people to look at it and they said, that's going to cost you $300,000 to fix it. So if somebody broke into my roof at RLC, I wouldn't be a happy camper. As a miracle took place, I got it fixed for free in the end. It cost me eight grand, but then I got it fixed for free under insurance. So praise God for the ACC insurance company. So anyway, so, anyway, so we, we got it. I can understand that these guys are really determined and they really pushed through but when they when the paralytic got laid down at the feet of jesus jesus looked up and said when he saw their faith he said friend your sins are forgiven hang on a minute he's a paralytic i can't see sin all i can see is disability all i can see is hurt all i can see is brokenness all i can see is dusty and a dirty broken person who has been blamed or his family has been blamed for this condition because back in those days if you were sick or you've had something that was wrong with you it was because you had disobeyed god and god was punishing you wow sometimes we think that today don't we somebody's sick wonder what they did wrong oh that person's got a bit of cancer i wonder why god gave him that that is the biggest life from the enemy you'll ever get right. i never read in my Bible where jesus went around giving cancer he didn't say sickness and death i live with you completely the opposite god sent his son to bring life and hope and healing he came to set you free he came to set your mind free from anxiety he came to set you free from fear and worry he came to give you a brand new life And some of us in this room, we've had that life for a moment, but we've gone back and we've got rid of the baggage, but we've picked up a few things on the way. We've picked up a bit of unforgiveness, a bit of hurt, a bit of resentment, a bit of problems that didn't go, you know, it was all good with Jesus, but now it's not happening the way I planned it out, God. So all of a sudden, we're carrying a burden again that's not ours to carry. When you travel a lot, the worst thing you can see through an airport is somebody carrying all this luggage, and they're burdened by it, they've got three or four bags, you ever seen them? Maybe you're one of them, because I was once, and I'm carrying everything just in case, I'm going on my first trip, Pastor Brian rang me up and said, you've got to go to Madagascar and fix a problem, and then off to Johannesburg, then off to Vietnam, so I'm carrying all this stuff just in case, three pairs of shoes, five shirts, just uh, turn that off, it's my daughter ringing me, sorry about that, and um, She's running kids' church back home in my church. She's probably let me know how it went. And so you got all this luggage, but what I realised is you're always doing something for the just in cases that never happen. And if they do, guess what? You can buy a same same t-shirt for half the price. Same same but different t-shirt, half the price. Why not? Instead of fifty dollars or hundred dollars, you pick one up for five or ten. We, we carry so much stuff that I realised I can do a trip in 10 to 12 days by putting it in a small briefcase, just like that. Carry on luggage. I'd ride my motorbike, my BM R1150R to the airport in Melbourne, fly off, one suitcase, do the job, come back, and I'm a happy camper. I don't have to wait for luggage coming off the plane. I don't have to wait for I'm I'm just laughing. You know, as Christians... We give our life to Jesus and we hand him all the baggage. We feel this weight of guilt, frustration, and trying to work it out ourselves. And we don't really know what's gone on. But we know, but there's a spiritual awakening that's happened. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, it's but by the grace of God that we were dead, but now we've been alive. We've been declared alive. So spiritually, we're alive. And we're happy campers. God's done something great. But on the way, we picked up some more baggage for the just in case. God, just in case you don't come through, I'll take on this. I'll take on this worry. I'll take on this fight. Just in case you don't fix my kids' problem, I'll take on their worry. Because I don't think you're doing a good job just yet, God. Or just in case. Can I say if you do that, you will break down every time because you're not just in case. God is a God of all. God is a God who does look after us. He's not the watchmaker. He doesn't make it and stand back and see what happens. He's actively involved in our lives. He sent His Son and He sent the Holy Spirit. And can I encourage you, really encourage you, to trust Him in the journey of your life and give back to Him what is rightfully His. It says, pray. Philippians 4, 6. If you're in a fix. Amen? Ask. Pray. And then leave it with Him. It's interesting to say, it says, uh, just moving on, it goes, um, your sins... Are forgiven. Then the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but only the one true God? And they're right. The thing is, there were healings in those days, but it all weren't done by the one true God. It was done by all sorts of people. There are different temples in Ephesus. There were twelve temples, and one of the temples was Hermes, Hercules the temples uh, there was a sex uh, god temple there that if you had a problem with one of your uh, sexual problem because there was so much um, diseases and things going on you go to this temple you make the body part you pass it up to the god and the god would heal you so they were used to seeing miracles and healings but they'd never heard of anybody who can forgive your sin wow so jesus knew what they were thinking because they thought this is blasphemy Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easy to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Personally, you look at all the commentaries, and they say they're both the same. My opinion is, and you can whatever with it, get up and walk is the easiest. To forgive sin, it cost Jesus his life. It cost him his life. He died, and he paid The price of everyone in this room of guilt wrong separation from god and he said i'm going to make this right i'm going to go to a cross blameless sinless nothing wrong and i'll die for the generations past present and future wow i'll tell you which one was easier get up and walk is easier (laughs) you're healed you know what was harder going to the cross but when but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins he said to the paralyzed man i tell you get up take your mat and go home immediately he stood up in front of them took the took the mat he'd been lying on, went home praising god everyone was amazed and gave praise to god they were filled with awe and said we have seen remarkable things jesus through this whole passage is a healing that took place But it's really about his lordship. It's about that he is the son of God because he said, I am here to forgive sins. Only God can do that. So he's saying, tying it up to the text, there were people, Pharisees, lawmakers from around. The whole area came and they heard these very words from Jesus himself, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus is declaring to that whole community, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Wow. And guess what the bonus is? You get healed in the process. Hey, you get your sins forgiven, but then you can get healed. How good is God? We hope you have been encouraged by this message. For more information, check out our website at desertlifechurch.org.